0: are listening to the Blue Notes podcast a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. I am your host Benji Taylor. In a wild wild shootout the Colts lost somehow to the PJ Walker led Browns at home Sunday and that one stung. I think it will be one of the games that we'll look back on this season and wonder how in the world that happened. Make no mistake, and I said this last week, the Browns have a historically great defense. They pose unique problems. Even so, I thought the Colts should have won that one at home. Regardless of what I wanted or thought should happen, Shane Steichen's Colts fell short Sunday 39-38. Normally, I like to have a nice clear thesis for these episodes, one broad explanation for why the Colts played so well or (laughs) played so poorly. But this was a puzzling defeat. I can't promise what I'm about to say makes perfect sense, but I am going to try to make some sense out of that bewildering loss. Stay with me, Colts fans. Recently, I've been trying to start with the bad news and end on a high note. I don't know if you've noticed, but that's been my intention. And I want to do that again in this episode. There were some really good performances Sunday, which again make this loss so bewildering, but we'll save those for the last. Right now, I want to try to answer this simple question How did the Colts lose that game Sunday? How did it happen? I admit the Browns defense is exceptionally spectacular. That is a fact. But I also said last week that their offense is unimpressive. They traveled to Indy having lost their star running back way back in week two of the season. Deshaun Watson, the estranged quarterback, started the game but was quickly replaced by former Colts castaway, PJ Walker. This guy's bounced around the league and wasn't even on a team a month ago. So both teams lined up with backup quarterbacks. But the Colts, Gardner Minshew, has been with head coach Shane Steichen for the past three seasons, I think. He knows the offense and is somewhat polished in the system. While the Browns lost their star running back, the Colts recently got theirs back in Jonathan Taylor. And that is after backup running back Zach Moss has had his best run of games of his career. The Colts offensive line consistently ranked in PFF's top five all season. The game was in Indy. There were countless more reasons why the Colts should have won that game Sunday, but they didn't. As I mentioned earlier, I aspire to have nice, clean answers for you on this podcast. I'd love to present some indisputable explanation for why or how the Colts lost, but I just can't do it. My first thought was, ah, Gardner threw too much. (laughs) They should have run more. But no, Gardner threw only 23 passes, and they ran the ball 40 times. I actually love that balance. I think this offense should be more run-centric. Then I thought, well, their pace was too fast. They should have slowed the game down and limit chances for mistakes and turnovers. But the Colts possessed the ball longer and still ran fewer plays than the Browns. Overall, this was a good game plan. Furthermore, the plan was executed outstandingly. So how did the Colts lose that game? Well, I've got three answers. Three reasons to explain how a superbly flawed Browns team can come to Indy and beat this Colts team on a day when the Colts had their best, their absolute best offensive performance under new coach Shane Steichen. Three reasons, and here they are. Questionable penalties, turnovers, and the bad, bad man that is Miles freaking Garrett. Let's start with the bad calls. This is my 91st episode and maybe the first time I've ever even mentioned penalties. That's not me, and I never want to focus on that. I believe unequivocally that if you want to silence the refs, then play excellent football. That's it. Don't give them a chance to change the game. That option is always available, but Sunday, I'm not sure it was. By now, I'm sure you know what I'm referring to. There were two calls that turned the game upside down. On third and four, with 47 seconds left in the game, EJ Speed crossed the line of scrimmage like a predator going for the kill. In one swift motion, Speed swatted the ball from Walker and completed the violent takedown. The home crowd roared and DeForest Buckner recovered the ball, effectively ending the game. Then, flew the first of two wild flags. The call was illegal contact on cornerback Darryl Baker Jr. Coach Steichen jumped out of his body in disbelief. The call erased the turnover and put the Browns now at the 8-yard line with a first down. The call was offensive and, at best, deeply questionable. Daryl Baker Jr. is a struggling cornerback who was thrust into such a position because of an injury to Juju Brents earlier in the game. And on that play, Baker was out of position and desperate. But anyone with at least one eyeball, one working eyeball, could see that the Browns receiver, Amari Cooper, made first contact. Cooper reached an arm out and pressed Baker just under the face mask. Resultingly, Baker stumbled and swiped at Cooper. He certainly made contact, but it was after the fact. Cooper struck first. The second absurd flag was almost as questionable as the previous one. On the very next play, Walker dropped back and threw the ball to Carmel, Indiana. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating, but the ball sailed through the end zone and was not catchable by anyone on the field. This flag, again on Baker Jr., was called and confirmed by referees as pass interference. This time, Baker was in great position against the wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones, but Baker had a tight grip on the receiver's right arm. Maybe that was enough, but again, it looked to me like the receiver made contact with Baker. He extended the arm against the defender. The two were locked up and engaged when the ball sailed far overhead. And there was just no reason to throw either flag. No reason. At once, I thought, maybe those were the correct calls, but not the right calls. What I mean there is that maybe the refs could argue their cases that what was called was technically the correct call. My response to that would be this. If you have to argue a call that changes a game between who wins and who loses, then you probably shouldn't make that call. If the game is effectively over and one flag is going to resuscitate the losing team and take the win away, the call should be clear and obvious. That just wasn't the case with either flag thrown. Not only that, but reports came out late Tuesday night that the NFL admitted to making incorrect calls late in the Colts-Browns game. I do not like to blame the rest for losing a game, that's not me. But those flags were a distasteful work of fiction. How did the Colts lose that game? Well, absurd flags didn't help. Turnovers didn't help either. Turnovers in a football game are the eternal equalizers. These two teams were not equal. As a result, production was stunningly lopsided. On the same number of drives, the Colts had more first downs, more yards, more yards per play, a higher completion percentage, a higher third down conversion rate, and more than double the yards per pass. But all of those great numbers were washed away by four turnovers, four drive-ending turnovers. And they weren't just easy giveaways. The Colts' turnovers came in the most heartbreaking moments. With under two minutes to go in the first half, The Colts led 21-17, but they had the ball deep in their own territory. Inexplicably, Shane Steichen put Gardner Minshew in the shotgun to pass twice. Twice. Minshew was sacked both times. The second one resulted in a fumble and touchdown for the Browns. Unfortunately, the disaster hour wasn't over for the Colts. They ran the ball twice. Wisely on the ensuing possession, but gained no ground. The Browns stopped the clock each time with their second and third timeouts. This meant that the Colts on third and 13 had a chance to pass for a first down or run the ball and bleed 40 seconds, then punt. Shane Steichen inexplicably elected to pass with Gardner Minshew, which was a failed attempt. A run there would give the ball to an inept offense with under a minute left in the half at their own 20-ish yard line. Instead, the Browns were gifted with a stopped clock. P.J. Walker then connected on his next four passes and moved the Browns all the way to the Indy 36, giving Browns kicker Dustin Hopkins a chance to connect on the 54-yard field goal to end the half. The kick was good and sent a dagger in the hearts of Colts fans throughout the stadium and airways and everywhere else in the natural world. It wasn't just that the turnovers were costly and equalizing. They were devastatingly ill-timed, and I think they could have been avoided. It's easy to blame the refs for those foreign flags flying to give life to this nameless Browns offense, but the Colts must accept blame for poor decisions throughout the game Sunday. While Shane Steichen had a brilliant offensive plan to produce yards and score points on this great defense, he seemed like he was asleep at the wheel at key moments in the game. The decision to throw deep in his own end zone with mere ticks left in the half was a decision that rivaled the stupidity of any yellow flag sailing late in the game. The decision not only placed unfair hope in backup quarterback Gardner Minshew, But it was incomprehensible, especially with Miles Garrett lurking on the other side. That man was a menace for 60 minutes Sunday, and the Colts simply had no answer for him. Far worse, they seemed to have no logical plan for him. It's like they forgot he was on the Browns' roster. On the play that turned the game over late in the first half, the Colts had rookie Blake Freeland blocking and tight end Drew Ogletree chipping. Neither player seemed that interested and Garrett blew past both guys for the Minshew takedown. I look at that offensive production from the cold Sunday and am enthused, excited, and sincerely impressed. And at the same time, I think about how little the team was prepared to handle Miles Garrett and wonder if Shane Steichen has ever seen a football before. I just can't reconcile the two vastly different responses in my brain. Miles Garrett should have been recognized and avoided on every single play. Instead, one of the best defenders in the league had one of his best games of his career. To win in this league, you have to be really, really good. You have to be smart. And sometimes you have to be lucky. The Colts were really, really good Sunday. It was the best offensive performance we've seen all season. The wide receivers all had significant impact, especially rookie Josh Downs, who had his best game, and even second-year receiver Alec Pierce, who had nearly been written off. Both running backs Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss were steadily involved and at the right number of carries, if you ask me. The defense was good, too. Some people are blaming the breakdown on the defense for the loss, but not me. The Browns were 4-16 and on third downs, They threw for only 166 yards and ran for 150. Now remember, the third play of the game was a 69-yard run from the Browns. That wasn't awesome. But after that run, the Colts only gave up 73 yards on the ground the rest of the way. The Browns' number one wideout, Amari Cooper, only accounted for 22 receiving yards. The Colts intercepted the ball twice, but there were at least two others that were just inches away from being turned over. This was a good defensive performance by the Colts. The Colts were good on both sides of the ball Sunday. They just weren't very smart in very significant moments in the game. And they certainly weren't very lucky. Luck matters in this game, it does. When things are equal or even close to it, it matters how that oblong object bounces. And it just didn't bounce the way of the Colts. Shane Steichen had a brilliant offensive plan for the Browns game, but his in-game decision-making was not magnificent. The Colts' defense accounted for two interceptions while two others slipped away. Then late in the contest, when the broadcast was nearly thrown to post-game, two foul flags painted an otherwise beautiful sky, regurgitating the reality that the Browns had another chance. That loss was not only puzzling, It was a hard one to swallow. My hope is that it does not overshadow the great things this team accomplished. Jonathan Taylor is well on his way to recovering his old self. Meanwhile, Zach Moss continues to be who he has been through the first seven weeks of the season. Michael Pittman Jr. proved to be reliable while Alec Pierce and Josh Downs emerged. On the other side of the ball, Julian Blackman proved versatile. Shaq Leonard inched closer, DeForest Buckner recovered and held down the house, and EJ Speed calls me to question why he's not on the field every defensive play of the game. He may not be at the level Shaq Leonard used to be, but EJ is closer there than Shaq is now, and that is irrefutable. That Browns game really sucked. (laughs) It sucked. I mean, it was good. The Colts were good, mostly, but they lost, and, and that's really all that matters. This Sunday, ironically, the Colts welcome another team that's really, really good on defense and strangely uninspired on offense. <laughs> if the Browns were in the NFC South, they'd be called the Saints. Well, the three and four Saints come to town, and guess what? I'm going to be there to see it. Patrick and I are making the trip from West Virginia to Indianapolis to see the game, and I cannot be more excited to see the fighting Gardner Menchus at 1 p.m. Sunday. I hope that the Colts respond well from last week's disappointment and pound the Saints. You know, I've, I've always hated this team because the Colts lost to them back in the 2009 Super Bowl, if you can remember that. I never got over it. Peyton Manning and the Colts were leading at half. Everything was going great. Then... Sean Payton and those smug Saints came out with the onside kick to start the second half. Remember this? The ball bounced off of Hank Baskett's face mask. The Saints recovered, won the Super Bowl, and I've hated them ever since. Let's hope this Sunday gets ugly and the home team gets back to 500. Come back next week and we'll talk about it. Take care and go Colts. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benji Taylor, thanks for listening.